0: South Dakota or Utah. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. The stars, the earth, the sky, come and make me whole, Savior of this world, my voice praises you.
1: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. The last several weeks have been extremely difficult for me. I've been in, frankly, great agony of heart. I don't usually talk about myself, but sometimes I have to stop and talk about what's really going on in my heart, in my life. And it's been very difficult these last weeks. I found myself withdrawing, not being in touch with friends, family, just in God's presence, dealing with my heart. See, almost everything that we in the American church consider to be religion is not holiness. And what I've been going through is that I am by nature a person who wants to see results. I mean, I'm on this broadcast really for for only one purpose, and that is to secure the salvation of your soul, When I see little to no evidence that that's happening, I begin to say, Lord, why am I doing this? If I don't see result, then why do it? I'm result-oriented. I'm, I'm driven by accomplishment. And part of the agony of my soul has been the Lord pulling me back pulling me more into his heart and i want that i want that with all of my with all of my being but i'm having frankly a difficult time adjusting to a life of waiting upon god of waiting You no, I want to say, look, let's just go do it. But, well, let me read it for you. John 15, remain in me and I will remain in you. This is John fifteen four, the gospel of John. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Whoa, have I proven I can do nothing. And for me, that's incredibly painful. Because by nature, I am a producer. I want action. I want want to go, go, go. And the Lord is saying to me, stop, 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 wait. I'm not bearing much fruit for the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know that in reality because I don't know what's happening on the broadcast. But in my heart, I don't feel as though I'm producing much fruit for the kingdom of God. And that's all I want to do. I want to produce for God, for the kingdom of God. So I've been going through a very difficult time of, of self-examination and self-questioning. Why am I doing this? Is it worthwhile? Is it worth the investment of time and money? How do I handle simply waiting on God? How do I justify eating food if I'm not producing Well, in this struggle last night, I began to see something. I began to see that God is is doing something new in my heart. He is bringing about changes in my spirit. And part of that change that he's bringing is a recognition that not only can I not do anything without Jesus, which I have known, but that my primary ministry is to Jesus, and that I've also known. But it's one thing to know something intellectually, it's another thing to know in the spirit, in your heart, in your inner being. I live in a culture that is so utterly... Oriented to flesh, to doing what man can do, to being productive. I'm so oriented to, wow, I've got to get it done. Get her done. Get her done. And part of what I've discovered in the last weeks again and again and again my focus needs to be only on Jesus and not on me not on my feelings they're deceptive not on beginning to be discouraged not on beginning to pull back but to trust Jesus to rest in him Now, I want to talk today about holiness. I want to talk first about what holiness is not. In America, we consider holiness to be religion, knowing the doctrines of the church, going through the classwork, Giving of tithes and offerings caring for the poor attending religious services saying a sinner's prayer keeping a set of rules don't eat this, don't touch that, don't don't wear this, don't watch that. Don't 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 don't, don't a set of rules. None of this is holiness. Holiness is not a set of rules. Holiness is not what man can produce out of his own spirit or out of his own heart. Holiness is not a feeling. Holiness is not being strong I mean part of my life I've just charged on I'm emotionally tough I can endure criticism and castigation cursing at name called okay I can deal with that sometimes hurts and has pierced me but I don't stop I keep going but again that's not holiness and you know that passage of scripture I've shared it with you many times but let me share it again make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So, religion is not holiness. Keeping the set of rules, the social covenant with your denomination, that's not holiness. And so, part of what I've done is I've cast off denominationalism I'm not saying you should, but I have. I grew exceedingly tired of the legalism of the holiness church that I was a part of. It didn't make sense to me any longer. They claimed to have the truth, but for them the truth was a set of doctrinal beliefs, many of which I found we're not in Scripture. And slowly, over a period of time, I made an increasingly strong commitment to not read the commentaries and the theological works, but to read the Bible. And so today I've reduced my library to almost nothing, and I read the Bible. I want to believe and live by what the scriptures teach. Now, stay with me. I'm going somewhere with all of this. What is holiness? Well, holiness, as far as I can determine, the Greek word, hagios, and its variants are very clear about what holiness means holiness seems to be the best I can determine an attitude it's an attitude that we hold toward God it is a reverence for his name it is to be like him. It is to maintain purity before a pure God. It is to love others in the way Jesus loved us. It is to be sanctified, that is to be made holy, that is to live free from all Known sin. It is to live with playing our hearts to Jesus, not to the crowd, not to family, not to friends. It's playing our life to Jesus. Now, holiness is something that comes by way of the holy spirit you cannot be made holy in any way except by the holy spirit romans 6:22 But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, the Apostle Paul is saying that we have to be set free from sin and we have to become slaves to God. And that word slave in the Greek is doulos, meaning the giving up of all ownership. Ownership of money, ownership of self, ownership of, of life. And part of where I've been agonizing in the last weeks has been at this issue of a deeper giving up of my life. I can say I don't own my life, and that's true, I don't. But it's another thing to really get a hold of that emotionally, in my spirit, and know that I belong to God. Now, we see things happening in our culture. We're supposed to be wearing a mask everywhere we go. And it's very clear from all of the intellectual and scientific information that a mask is utterly useless in blocking any kind of virus from attacking you. So why are we wearing masks if the finest doctors in the nation are saying it does no good? Well, the reason we do is because we don't want to cause trouble and we want to be in agreement with others. I walked in a store yesterday and just was unconscious and did not take a mask with me, and immediately uh, people in the store began to object to my being there without a mask. And they kindly gave me a mask, and I apologized and said, Thank you, I'll wear your mask. I call it a face diaper. Okay. But now, what is our attitude? I finally had to take the attitude that said, I'm not going to cause other people to stumble. And according to scripture, If I, in my freedom, do something that causes others to stumble, stop doing it. Paul is speaking specifically about the eating of meat. And he's saying, if one man eats only vegetables and he's offended by your eating of meat, then stop eating it. Okay, I get that. But then they come to other issues like, okay, we're going to take away... President Biden says, we're going to take away your Second Amendment rights so that you cannot defend yourself or your family. Well, we know from what happened in Armenia, we know what happened in a number of different places. I won't go through them all. Where people who gave up their firearms were then... Killed by their governments and genocide. Now what's the Christian's attitude toward that? Well, there are some things I can do and there's some things I can't do. I can wear a mask so I don't offend. I can't give up my Second Amendment rights because I believe God has given us the right of self-defense. I'm not saying you should think that, but I'm speaking about an attitude here. Holiness is an attitude. And part of what I've been going through over the last weeks is a struggle in my soul over simply waiting on the Lord. I've been saying, Lord, I've walked this walk now for many years. I know I can trust you. I know you will come or you would not have told me to wait upon you. But I feel utterly useless in the waiting. So how do I deal with that, Lord? How do I joyfully accept non-productivity? How do I joyfully accept being totally dependent for my food and my rent, my expenses? How do I be totally dependent on God for all of that and simply wait on God? Well, this question of holiness answers that. The question of holiness is a question of obedience to the Lord. That Romans 6.22 But now that you have been set free from sin oh wait there has to be a Holy Spirit experience to be set free from sin and have become slaves to God that is utterly dependent upon him for food, for shelter, for water, for everything, for your job. One man has been out of work for some time and he desperately needs a job. He has an interview this coming Wednesday and he said to me on Sunday, Pastor, I'm just going to trust Jesus. If he, if he wants me to have that job, he'll arrange that but I'm going to trust him. Whether he gives me that job or gives me another, I know that everything comes from the hand of God. He was right. But that lays human pride and control in the dust. It means we learn how to wait on the Lord. He says the result of this is to lead to holiness. Free from sin, slaves to God, and the benefit that you reap is holiness, is an attitude in your heart of purity toward toward God and toward others. Where all sin is dismissed from your life. Where you honestly recognize that you are a slave of Jesus Christ waiting upon him for his pleasure not your pleasure not to prove that you can do something or be something rather you're there to wait upon the Lord to live a pure life to love and serve others in the way Jesus has loved and served us to be sanctified, that is, to be free of sin before God. Now, this holiness, we fight because we want to continue our normal life. We want to go to our comfortable places, whether it be a a church or a coffee house, whether it be shopping, whether it be going to work and doing what we are accustomed to doing. We want our schedule and we want our regular life. But when we come to Jesus, all of that may be radically disturbed because he says, after you've been set free from sin, And after you recognize that you now have become a slave to God you're on the road to holiness which is to be set apart to be set apart for a sacred purpose to be set apart for the pleasure of God. Not my pleasure but God's pleasure. Now in the In the dark hours, as we consider this, I recognize that it's very easy for us to say, well, God must have left me. Nothing's happening. I don't see my way through. I don't understand how I'm going to survive. I must have sinned away the Holy Spirit. I must have grieved the Holy Spirit so that he's no longer with me. Nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be further from the truth. It's in that time when the Lord wants us to put our eyes on him and not on us. You know, I found that when I begin to feel really discouraged or downhearted, about what's not happening in my life. That's the time when he wants me to focus on Jesus, to keep my eyes on Jesus, to not turn left or right. You see, that the agony of soul comes as we struggle with what we want, what we expect. Even something very good, what we had hoped for, and it's not happening, and we say, "Well, maybe I ought to just do something different, maybe I ought to just go make it happen." <clears throat> How many times I've tried to do that, and every time it's been a dismal failure, with grave consequences, I might add, painful consequences. Peace with God comes when I recognize that my life is his, not mine. Now, the question is, what shall I do? I want to give you a very sound principle that is tried and true in my life. And I think you'll find it also in the scriptures. What should I do? I should continue doing exactly what God has told me to do up to that point, what he has led me to do, until he changes the orders. So I come to this radio broadcast with every intention of helping you secure your salvation. And I teach very specific things about that salvation. In fact, I made a list of things that I teach. I teach first a voluntary, total moral depravity of the unregenerate. Let me unpack that quickly. I teach that you voluntarily committed sin, that you don't have that you will not be cast into hell for something you got from Adam. That if you're cast into hell, it will be because you voluntarily rebelled and caused yourself to be in total moral depravity. That is unregenerate. That is wicked. That is self-dependent. Unregenerate just means nothing has changed. And I teach that man cannot change himself, but by the power of God. The power of God is there for us to take the action to change ourselves. Repentance is given to every man. We must choose to act on that repentance. I teach the absolute necessity of a total, complete, and fundamental change of heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. I teach that salvation is a gift of God, and it is a miraculous gift. It is a gift of divine action upon our hearts. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot come to God of ourselves. He has called all of us to come and repent. Every man is given the opportunity to come and repent. There's not a limited atonement. Some men are sent to hell and some men are set free as a random choice by God. That's simply not true. It's not biblical. Now, I know you can twist certain scriptures to teach that, but the, the teaching of scripture, when taken hermeneutically in context, is that every man is offered, every woman, every boy, every girl is offered the opportunity to come and be one with Jesus Christ. Now, it means that I must take advantage of that offer. And we find in Romans, the first chapter, that many people will not take advantage of that offer of salvation. They harden their hearts against the Holy Spirit calling them to surrender to become totally given over to Jesus Christ. Now, I don't want to pretend that this is not a painful process, but we extend that pain much longer than necessary by trying to dig in our hearts to find things that are wrong when that's the work of the Holy Spirit Our task is to remain in the peace of God, in obedience to the Spirit, and let Him bring total transformation to our hearts and to our lives. And the agony I've been experiencing over the last two weeks of non-productivity is my own pride. And I've had to give that up again and again and again. And this time... I've just said, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I see others raising up great churches. I'm saying, Lord, how come? Why can't I? I know the answer. The answer is very clear. Those churches are filled with half-converted and pagan people, spray-painted with Jesus, but pagans at heart. Religious people, but not sanctified people. You may be one of those. Very religious. Takes great care to do all of the orders of the church. Takes great care to go through all of the prayer books say the rosary, all manner of religious things that you do, but they have nothing to do with holiness or with salvation. There is a, a coming in our hearts where we begin to recognize the lordship of Jesus over our lives. <clears throat> now, now, the old-timers prayed through on that. It might take them a day or two or three days, but they finally came through in great victory. Today, many of us want to take months and years and feel bad. Can I say something that might offend you? Some of you want to feel bad rather than be made righteous. Righteous. You're more comfortable when things are feeling wrong and bad. And so the joy of the Lord is not in your heart. Fear is in your heart. Dread is in your heart. Judgment and accusation against yourself or against God is in your heart. Because frankly, you're more comfortable being miserable than you are being happy. That's not a very good testimony about Jesus, is it? My heart is exceedingly happy in Jesus. But I've not expressed that very well over the last couple of weeks as I have kind of withdrawn from friends and family and, and just stayed in my cave and agonized with the Lord over my non-productivity. And I finally have come to recognize that, again, that's that's Pride. And I've had to walk away from it and say, Lord, it's okay. It's your kingdom, and it's your power, and it's your work. And I'm here to help you in any way you ask me to help. But it has to be by your Holy Spirit. I can't follow what I think I have to follow what the Holy Spirit thinks. And I, I tell you what, I talk with a lot of Christians who say, Pastor, I, I'm not doing anything for Jesus. Well, why aren't you doing anything for Jesus? Is it because you're stubborn and rebellious and won't do what he's asked you to do? Or is it because you don't think loving Jesus and prayer life are sufficient? Now, I tell you what has happened to me over the last days. I have had to move more and more deeply into prayer. I was up late last night. All evening, in fact. All afternoon. Crying out to the Lord. Lord. crying out to the Lord and asking him what he would have me pray about. Because I'm not going to just do shotgun prayers and pray my own will. I want the will of God and I want to pray the will of God. So my praying my praying is literally ministry to Jesus. And I don't have to see anything that it does or does not accomplish to know that it was worthwhile. A life of prayer, of submission, a life of willingness to be and do what he asks us to be and to do. That's the whole thing. If I go beyond that, I begin to get into pride and arrogance. I begin to think that I need to do this and accomplish that. I want to come back to what I teach. I teach also the complete and total atonement that Jesus Christ did on Calvary. That at the cross, everything was accomplished for me. It is literally a finished work of atonement at the cross. All the provision was made. But my past, present, and future sins were not forgiven at the cross. My past, present, and future sins must be given to Jesus Now, in other words, Jesus made the provision at the cross to wipe away my sins, to forgive me, for some of you to be justified. He did that at the cross. But I have to appropriate that into my life. I have to choose to repent before God, and he gives me the ability to do that and I must agree with him regarding my guilt and my sin. And as I agree with him about that and ask him to please remove that from my heart and my life, breaking every bondage, he breaks that bondage, and he sets me free in the present time. Now, the reason I'm saying this, pardon me, and the way I'm saying it, Some of you have been taught a lie that all your past, present, and future sins were forgiven at the cross. Now, what that means, literally, is that you can never lose your salvation. And so you're welcome even to take the mark of the beast because all your sins were forgiven. And you need to survive, and your family needs to survive. Wrong. We live a life now of holiness. We live a life now of total, complete submission to Jesus. And that comes to us only through the power of the blood of Jesus as it is administered to us from the heavenly sanctuary where Jesus is now in the temple above which is the command center for the salvation of men and women and children. Now, as the Holy Spirit brings that to us, he ministers to us the truth and the power of the blood of Jesus. I preach also the divinity of Jesus, that he was fully God and fully man, that he lived a perfect life. He died a perfect death of atonement. He was raised in resurrection power. Because of that, I preach repentance, and I preach faith, and I preach his mission. The mission of Jesus Christ is to secure your salvation. That's his cry. That's his heart. What are you on the earth for? The answer for me is very simple. You're on the earth because Jesus chose to give you an opportunity to be a part of his kingdom. Jesus chose to allow you the opportunity of repentance. So Jesus' mission is a salvation mission. A mission to To save us from the power of the devil. And to me, that includes healing of the body as well as the spirit. The restoration. Now, some of that we'll experience here. Some of that we won't experience in this body, but we'll have it in the next body. These are the basic teachings that you hear me deal with day by day. But at the very heart of this is this question, this amazing question of holiness. I want to read this for you. It's out of Romans, the eighth chapter. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation. But it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You didn't receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, So the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may share also in his glory. Well, what is the suffering? The suffering is this agony that we experience in our hearts. As we turn our back on all that is of this world, all that is of the flesh, and all that is of the devil, That's a painful process because in our heart we have certain expectations. That's why, again, I've said to you, I've learned a fundamental principle, and that is you continue doing what you're doing now at the call of the Spirit until he gives you orders to change that. You see, I'm not going to stop doing this radio broadcast so long as he moves in the hearts of people to give in order to pay for it. Of course, if I can't pay for the radio, I have to go off the radio. And I would say at that point, it's because the Lord has said, you're finished with that. You're no longer going to proclaim the gospel to the people in this way. You're going to do it in another way. And I'm good with that. Yes, I'm good with that. Some of you are wondering, should I stop doing this? Should I leave my job? Should I change this or that? No. Don't stop. Don't change. Continue doing what you're doing because that was the last place God called you to be. And you wait on God to give you the instruction for the next step. And you see, agony of soul happens when we say, okay, I know what I want to do. As one man said to me, Pastor, you live by faith. I love your testimony. I think I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to quit my job, and I'm going to live by faith, and I'm going to let God carry me. Wrong. I said, brother, if you quit your job, you'll be evicted from your house, you and your family will be homeless, and you will be in dire straits. He said, well then, How did you make the decision to do what you're doing? I said, I didn't. The Lord did. He told me to do it. It was very clear. The direction was absolutely clear. In other words, what I'm saying is this agony of spirit comes as we turn against what we think God wants us to do or what we want and we wait on God and we submit to him Because that's where holiness begins to emerge in our lives. In the tough place of discipline of God. Where he says, you're not on your own. You were bought at a price. You belong to me. You are not your own. You belong to me. I bought you. So, I have a question for you. Have you secured your salvation or have you simply secured your religion? Following a set of doctrines, the directions to do this and don't do that, and you feel like, okay, now I'm saved. Or have you utterly given over your life into the hand of Jesus and understood that what he first wants from you is your total and absolute commitment to worship him, to walk in the joy of his presence and to trust him. Lord, I pray now that every person listening to this broadcast will have the agony of their soul stilled as they completely give themselves again and again and again into your hand, trusting you to open the way before them and to direct their steps. Lord, have your way in our lives. Lord, we will follow your lead. Even if it looks foolish and crazy, we will follow your lead. Because above all things, We want to be made holy, that we could enter into the kingdom of heaven with you, Jesus. Thank you, my Lord. I pray in your name. Amen. Well, we're past the halfway point for this month, and I have to share with you. I'm considering doing several days of offertory because we are so far short of where we need to be to keep this broadcast on the air. Some of you at the first of the month were very kind and generous in giving of your of your gifts, of your tithes. And some of you have continued and I thank you so much. But we're still far, far short. So please, as the Lord leads you, you can go to our webpage and give online at com, Donate on the upper right-hand corner or you can send an offering or tithes directly to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. All that you give goes to cover the cost of this ministry for outreach. I invite you to write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. 22195 God bless you my brother my sister thank you who have been on the live chat the more live chats we have the more they will spread the news about this broadcast so please jump in and talk to brothers and sisters
0: it's important
1: i want this broadcast to go forth Pray with me that this broadcast will be reached by many, many people. i look forward to talking with you tomorrow. You've been listening to Ray Greenland, National Prayer Chapel. I love you, my brother and my sister.
0: I'll talk to you soon. joy. great joy.
1: Chuck McDowell